The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Gary Parrish, Sunday, March 13, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. Happy Selection Sunday. If you're watching on YouTube, hey, YouTube, please smash that like button like you're Brandon Davies. It helps us. You're not risking anything. That dude risked a Final Four. You're not risking anything. Smash the like button. We got a bracket. Once again, they put 68 teams in it. Dead leg. How's your night been so far? Well, it's been a night. But we started the podcast on time. For those watching on YouTube, please do smash that like button. This is like uh, a Brandon Davies. Exactly. And if you are listening to this pod, this is the most listened to podcast we do the entire year. Uh, thanks to everyone who's stopping by. I assure you, if this is the one you're coming for, you are going to want to subscribe. We have an amazing uh, inventory of podcasts and content coming for you throughout the tournament, particularly, though, on Monday, Tuesdays, we lead up to the games there. It's been a night, though. Um, I, I'm going to put forth right now as we get ready to talk about this bracket, what we like, what we don't like. Let's just not mention that guy. Let's just move on from it. The dude c- tried to take over the entire night. It's completely unnecessary. Never been more irrationally uh, spiteful of a person I've never met in my life. Don't even mention his name. I'm just bringing it up now. Let's move on. Let's talk about the bracket. Let's get this going. His name is Tom Brady. Um, how about this? So we're out on set doing a, uh, a show and I come back into the bullpen and I'd gotten text messages from like friends, like Tom Brady, ha 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 ha. And I'm like, what are they even talking about? And it's probably Tom Brady had been unretired for at least 30 minutes before I was even aware of it. What a wild story that is, but it cannot take away from selection Sunday. That's correct. And by the way, I'm seeing the live chat saying there might've been an echo. I enabled the mix minus go ahead and let us know in the live chat if that echo is now gone i hear nothing in my ears but i want to be helping uh, i want to be helping our live viewers on youtube as well and uh let's get into it man how's how's your night been and what are your uh what are your initial thoughts how do you want to get rolling here on this selection well Sunday we did special? a three hour we did a three hour television show on cbs sports network i competed with chris walker in jump ball pete gillen was the judge I beat him two to one. I think it felt more like 3-0, but I still walked away as the champion of jump ball and selection Sunday. Brent Stover called me, and I, I, I can't speak for Stover, but like the, he called me the MVP of the show. The number one seeds are Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor. 
On Saturday night, you and I, Kyle Boone, David Cobb, were asked to predict what the number one seeds would be, and you and I had it exactly this way. Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor. So uh, the question would be, uh, did the selection committee get it right? But I know what your answer is going to be, and that's yes, they did. Yeah, not much to say here on the one seed uh, thing overall. They got it right. I think they they it was as expected, and we had some drama elsewhere on the two and the three line that we'll get to. Obviously, around the cut line, um, I'd actually be interested. I don't, I don't. I know you don't know this. I'm just kind of thinking out loud in real time here. I know everything. Uh, okay, then who got who got sixty eight for sixty eight? Who who nailed the bracket? I'm not sure. Okay. All right. You usually like to hop on this podcast and say, I got 68 out of 68 or 67 out of 68. I, I, did, I wanted to do it today. I didn't have time. I would have gotten 67 out of 68, though. If I would have tweeted. Sure, sure. No, I would have yeah. I, I had Texas um, A&M in and Notre Dame out. Because I had thought through it and done it. I just never got a chance to actually put it in a file and tweet it. I'm being honest. Why would I lie about it at this point? Um, I would have gotten 67 out of 68. I don't know how I would have been on this seed match, this seed and that seed match that seed, but where I would have missed. And the only place I would have missed was I would have had A&M in and Notre Dame out. Okay. We'll get to the bubble stuff in a second. Uh, just wrapping up the one seed talk. Uh, as I look at this and if you're watching on YouTube, I mean, just gorgeous, hey, gorgeous, 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 beautiful bracket here. Um, Gonzaga out West. Baylor in the east, which I thought was would be the case. Arizona to the south, Kansas to the Midwest. Also, where they're going uh, is not surprising. To me, Kansas gets the easiest path potentially to a Final Four. Uh, if you really look, Auburn's been swooning a bit as a two. Wisconsin, plenty of people say maybe it had the resume to be a three, but predicted metrics, it's outside the top 30 and multiple ones. Uh, Providence as the four Wisconsin and Providence are kind of two eggs in the same basket, if you will. And then I was a five is actually a, a legitimate challenge. I was the best five on the board as far as I'm concerned at this point, but elsewhere um, I think Kansas has the easiest potential eight, nine winner if it were to move on there. So uh, good job by the committee with the one seeds, but it wasn't, it wasn't hard. They, they got kind of got that done. And as we'll get to with some of these other teams, we're going to talk about Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor, what do they all have in common? None of them played on Sunday. A lot of things that we're going to talk about here deal with conference tournaments uh, that wrapped up on Sunday and how little those results and even even playing the games seem to matter. The only thing that I thought could disrupt what the four number one seeds ended up being would have been the committee deciding to ding Baylor um, because LJ Cryer has only played one game since January 25th uh, and, and hasn't played at all since February 16th uh, reasonable people can debate who is Baylor's best player but this is a fact he is Baylor's leading scorer and he has not played in a long time and on CBS Sports Network earlier in the night I pointed out that there is precedent for this if you do not believe that LJ Cryer is going to be available and I think Baylor um, intelligently has just consistently listed him as a game time decision because they have never wanted to speak definitively about his injury because you don't want it to be held against you. But if you go back to the uh, 2000 season, Cincinnati heading into championship week was so clearly the best team in the country. And then inside of a pyramid that is now a Bass Pro Shop pyramid, Kenny Martin in the conference tournament um, suffered a season-ending injury. Based on the resume that Cincinnati had, they should have still been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But the committee said, you don't have your best player anymore, so we're going to make you a two. I thought that there was a chance the committee could 
do that with Baylor, especially when, and we'll get to this in a minute, you look at what Tennessee's resume now is, but ultimately they decided um, we're going to respect Baylor's body of work without context. And that leads to Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor as the number one seeds. It looked like the most controversial thing at the top of the bracket was Duke getting a number two seed over Tennessee. If you look at the resumes, that doesn't make much sense. And we're going to discuss that next. But before we go any further, real quick, let me remind you about our bracket challenge game. We want you to compete with us. So please do. I'm going to be in it. Norlander, Cal Boone, David Cobb, and who knows who else will join us. But we want you to join us. CBSSports.com slash CBS I on brackets. That's the link. CBSSports.com slash CBS I on brackets. The winner is going to get a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus, which could come in handy because you're able to watch NCAA tournament games on Paramount Plus, plus tons of soccer from the Champions League, golf majors in the spring, NFL football in the fall. Beyond that, Halo going to be streaming starting March 24th exclusively on Paramount Plus. So head to ParamountPlus.com slash Halo if you want to try that for free. In the meantime, enter our Bracket Challenge game. And don't stop there. You can also create a group to compete against friends or enemies. Compete against your enemies. That's fun, too. You can fill out a bracket for a chance to win a trip to the 2023 Final Four. And it's all, this is the best part, it's all free. Nobody's charging you a penny. Again, you can play on the CBS Sports app or at cbssports.com slash CBS I on brackets. That's slash CBS E-Y-E on brackets. All right. Dead leg. Tennessee, number three seed. Duke, number two seed. Can you make sense of that? No, I can't. As uh, if you're watching uh, live here, I'm coming to you from uh, our CBS Sports HQ studios podcast studio here. Uh, shouts to Ryan Wilson. He's done many a pick six episode here after a Sunday night football deal. And uh, when I was on HQ earlier uh, in real time, uh, I saw Villanova was a two. Didn't think Nova was going to wind up being a two. But, but oh, the Internet is not out in Philadelphia. <laughs> they got it. The Nova fans found me. So I'm going to straight up apologize and atone for my uh for my comment there because duke is clearly the duke is more in dispute for the two line than villanova there's no doubt about that um but i want to say and i could be misremembering this as well because well i went on the air at 5 30 and was on basically except for the <clears throat> you know what i was on until well 10 50 at night uh so i want to say duke wasn't in the field yet when i made that uh tweet but then again maybe it was duke's the one in dispute there is no you got the data i'm gonna just lay this out for you because everyone knows this is the case. And I did, by the way, I interviewed, <laughs> we had a whole interview schedule for HQ. I was going to, first time in my career, get to interview the selection chair on the air. I got, had, I was ready. Well, that went out the window, but we did squeeze in a seven minute interview that is on the Ion College Basketball YouTube channel that you can go watch. And I do directly, I did directly ask Tom Burnett about the Tennessee situation. He answered it decently. I wasn't completely satisfied with the answer. I guess there is no really, you know, giving anyone an answer that's satisfactory, but there's no defense for this. You could actually make a better case for Tennessee to be the number one, two seed than you could for them to be the number one, three seed. And in the overall seed order, and then take it away after this GP, the overall seed order got released. And this is how it goes. It goes Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor, then Auburn, UK, Nova, Duke, 
Then it's Wisconsin before you get to the Vols at 11. Purdue and Texas Tech round out the top 12. You can't make a case for it. And I don't understand how the committee got to this point other than the obvious. When you look at AM not getting the field, Tennessee winning the SEC tournament, this tournament, more than even more than the Big Ten, anyone like the SEC championship, it never means anything. The SEC, if it wants to better its case going forward, I'm serious. Move your final to Saturday. Don't hold it on Sundays anymore. Give people the data so they can really understand just how badly the committee goofed up on this by putting Tennessee on a three line. Well, uh, on um, Bracket Breakdown on CBS Sports Network, we had um, selection committee member Dr. Chris Reynolds, the athletic director uh, at Bradley, who's going to be the committee chair next season and i asked him um you know that you know i i tennessee is 16 and 7 in the first two quadrants zero losses outside of quadrant one undefeated at home you know that's clearly in my mind a top eight resume in the country but tennessee only got a three seed in the NCAA tournament i said uh Dr. Reynolds, with all due respect, uh, that seems to reinforce the perception that things that happen on Sunday afternoon don't matter to the bracket. How would you respond to that? And he talked for you know a little while, and he didn't really you know didn't really answer the question, which I didn't expect him to because um, that's a tough question to ask. You know, typically if people are asking you um, questions that are rooted in, hey, I think you got this wrong. The only reason we're asking it or at least the only reason I'm asking it is because it's clear to me you got it wrong and I want to hear you try to defend it. And more often than not, you can't. Again, uh, Dr. Reynolds, really smart guy, but like, um, you know, th- there's no great way to defend it. Uh, let me just run you through it real quick. Because earlier on Sunday, our, our friend Mike DeCourcy uh, from the Sporting News, um, you know, tweeted that, you know, something along the lines of, hey, I think I'm out here uh, a little bit by myself. But if Tennessee beats Texas A&M and wins this SEC tournament, I don't see how Tennessee is not going to be a two seed. And I retweeted it and pointed out that on Sunday morning, I had Tennessee ranked sixth in the top 25 and one, which doubles as, you know, the second number two seed. And uh, spoiler alert, when I update the top 25 and one for the final time, oh, woo! Looking forward to that. Okay. Woo! Imagine doing something every day since early November. Every day. Every day. And now after I do it one more time, I never have to do it again. I feel like I'm getting at it. This must be what it feels like to get out of prison. When you, you got one more day of prison. Uh, okay. <laughs> I feel like this must be what it feels like to get out of prison. Boy, when I hit send on the top 25 and one one more time, <laughs> yeah, Andy I Dufresne, can't. Andy, you know, yeah, I got you. I this got must, you. this must, this must be what it's like to walk out of federal prison. So, spoiler alert: I will have Tennessee fifth in the final top twenty-five and one, and I could make an argument that they are way closer to being the fourth number one than they are being a number three seed. 11 and 7 in quadrant one, 5 and 0 in quadrant two, 16 and 7 in the first two quadrants. Zero losses outside of quadrant one, undefeated at home. Now, I don't expect you to remember all that, so I'll run back through it after I tell you what Duke is. Duke, 6 and 2 in quadrant one, 6 and 3 in quadrant two. So 12 and 5 in the first two quadrants, and they've got a quadrant three loss. So a total, that means a total of four losses 
outside of the first quadrant. Tennessee has zero. So Tennessee has five more quadrant one wins than Duke. They have zero losses outside of the first quadrant. Duke has four. Check this out. Duke, and I give credit to Jerry Palm. He pointed this out. I'm just stealing it from him. Duke has more losses outside of the first quadrant than the other three two seeds combined. Plus Tennessee. You ready? No. Duke. No. Duke has four losses outside of quadrant one. Auburn has zero. Kentucky has zero. Two seed Villanova has one. And three seed Tennessee has zero. There, there's only one takeaway from that then. Had Duke beaten Virginia Tech, they'd be the number one overall seed in this tournament. <laughs> it's outrageous. There is no way to defend that. And I am not somebody who's like, oh, they're always looking out for Duke. And they're always trying to take care of Duke and blah, blah, blah. I don't subscribe to that stuff. But there is no way to defend Duke over Tennessee. Zero chance. Tennessee has five more quadrant one wins. And Duke has four more losses outside of the first quadrant. What are we doing? I mean, I can't tell you, man. This is brutal. This is, and here's what I thought about in between segments and stuff down, uh, down on, in the studio. I'm not going to make like I, we should be critiquing the committee here. Um, this is not going to be 60 minutes of us bashing the committee. Actually, I think in recent years, if memory serves. Uh, last year, obviously, no 20 tournament, maybe 19. We've we've started this podcast a couple times, saying, you know what. Yeah, a little quibble here, a little quibble there, but the committee's done its job. This feels like there are a couple decisions here that put them ripe for ribbing more than we've seen in a while. And my biggest issue is that, yeah, like Tennessee should not be on the three line. Just there's just no, there's no, there's no justification for it. And everyone knows it. Everyone knows it, right? But Tennessee gets benefited, I guess. I guess by playing close in Indianapolis and then going to San Antonio. Whereas if it was a two, like if it was the two where Duke is the two, and I haven't even figured out if the bracketing would have allowed for that. But if it was the two where Duke is the two, then yeah, it goes to Greenville, which would have been fine. Then it goes to San Francisco. So I don't know if you'd rather be the three than the two in that instance. I I prefer to put teams on the seed lines where they, where they belong. Tennessee was a big misfire and we have talked about this issue on the podcast near annually for as long as we've done it. All I ask is that it feels like the committee, it convenes on a Wednesday and it, it grinds and hashes out and seed scrubs and seed scrubs and ballots are in and all this Wednesday into Thursday into Friday into Saturday. We get updates frequently. Dave Warlock does a phenomenal job on Twitter, kind of giving updates about here, how many teams are in the field. He even said at one point there was a five-way tie when the anonymous uh, voting went in as they were trying to put teams in the at-large pool. But it just feels like they get their work done sometime around like 2.30 a.m. on a Saturday. Sometimes it goes later than that. And they they basically have an assortment of like, all right, here's the, here's the seed, you know, barring like a Richmond situation that happened on Sunday. This is our order. We're not going to allow for one more game, one more data point to affect how we're going to seed these teams when I think it actually does matter. If you win your conference tournament championship, depending on the conference, depending on the situation, it should matter. And so many of these Sunday results just simply don't. Now there's never going to be a situation where the committee and, you know, CBS and the NCAA are going to say, you know what, we just won't play any games on selection Sunday. We're just going to wait and build up to a six o'clock show. It's a ramp up. I get all that, 
I just want the committee to better account for this. The bracketing process, the seating process, I still feel like sometimes it comes off a bit messy, a bit rushed. But I will also say this. Burnett alluded to this when I talked to him briefly. Keep in mind that there could have easily been a situation. The committee has to take it on the whole, but there could have been a situation where the way that the votes came out, there could have been five people that put Tennessee clearly on a two and seven who put it on a three or however the vote break breakdown broke. And you've got people on this committee who are like, I, there's no shot. I've got Tennessee on the two line, but the majority wound up winning, or the plurality, I should say, wound up winning out, putting Tennessee on the three. Um, and so we have it. It's not the biggest crime in the world, obviously. It's just so glaring. And I foolishly tweeted earlier in the day, I tweeted that I had the faith that if Tennessee won the SEC tournament, its past behavior for the committee was not going to be repeated. John Calipari was on this 12 years ago. <laughs> He's been right the whole time. Uh, Tennessee should be a two instead of a three, but so it goes. We'll see how they, uh, we'll see how they respond. There's a lot of teams that are walking into this bracket playing pretty well. And Tennessee's on that list of like top three or four in terms of like really strutting into this thing. And we'll see if, uh, I don't know how much motivation that those players will have for being a three instead of a two. Maybe it's more of a media thing and a fan thing, but it's, you know, uh, it just damages your credibility. That's all. Not the worst thing, but it's certainly something we had to address near the top here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let me state the obvious because the obvious isn't always so obvious for everybody. I don't care what happens now that this when this tournament starts. Like, do goes to the Final Four. Tennessee loses its second-round game. None of that has anything to do with where these teams should have been seated today. And we keep making it a Tennessee-Duke thing. Could also be a Tennessee-Kentucky thing, you know? Tennessee's got a better resume than Kentucky and, you know, went two and one against them this season. There's really not a great argument for Kentucky over Tennessee either, unless you just want to point straight to Ken Pop and just keep pointing and keep pointing. Um, or, or if you want to say, you know, but Ty Ty missed this game and, and Xavier Wheeler was out for this game, but you know, Tennessee took one of its losses without Kennedy Chandler, who was the MVP of the SEC tournament. He, of course, is my little homie from Memphis. So, yeah, that to me was the most blatant mistake. Is it the biggest deal in the world? No, I don't guess not. You're a three instead of a two. But I'm I'm a big believer in get it right. And this is something they so obviously got wrong. We will get to the bottom of the bracket next, or at least the final at-large bids. Teams that barely got in, teams that got left out. But first... A word from our sponsors. The only way you survive this is working together, leaning on each other. This trip ain't even got hard yet. But hard's coming. Tell anybody who listened that you lived through hell. It wasn't hell, Daddy. It was beautiful. 1883. All episodes now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, let's talk about the final at-large bids and the teams that got left out. The first four is going to be Rutgers against Notre Dame and Indiana against Wyoming. That's the first four. They're the last four teams in the field. That means Texas A&M got left out. Xavier got left out. Somewhat surprisingly, Dayton was the first team out. Not surprised Dayton was out. I didn't think Dayton had a chance. Turns out Dayton was in the field if long as Richmond didn't upset Davidson in the title game of the H10 tournament. That's one basically every bracketologist would have missed on if it yeah. would have gone down that way. You got any issue with what they did, final at-large bids, teams that they left out? Uh, again, I understand. You can you can say, well, these are teams that aren't going to go far anyway. So it's not always true. In fact, most in most years, the one of the first four teams wins at least a first-round game. Obviously, UCLA went first four to Final Four, and VCU did that in the first year we had this format back in 2011. Texas A&M was the team that most people projected had done enough to get in. Yet again, where was Texas A&M? SEC championship game? <laughs> Just didn't. Just didn't matter. Uh, so here we are. Dayton, how about that, man? How about those Flyers unknowingly being in? Dayton was in the field on Saturday night, man. And then their their own conference brethren, the Spiders, did them in. By the way, side note: Richmond's not a twelve. Like put them on the put them on the thirteen line. South Dakota State should be a twelve, but whatever. But Dayton was, and then they get knocked out. So the A ten was always destined for two bids. No one knew it. I I said this on HQ. I think I said it on the podcast. To me, there was so much variety in the bubble teams' resumes that we were bound to get contradictory results, and I'm okay with that. Uh, Texas A and M overall surprising to me that it wasn't the like I thought it was in and it wasn't even the first team out four and ten quad one not great five and oh quad two really good five and two quad three eight and oh and quad four away from home it was ten and eight above 500 record there you know it's metrics net ranking Ken Palm BPI 45 or better uh KPI was 53 you know I thought it had done enough uh, but it doesn't get in. And so I'm not crying foul for any of the teams that did. I don't think anyone got, I will say this. A&M is surprising that it didn't get in. There have been years where there are teams that have not. And I, if you're an A&M fan, I get it. Like you're furious. Although your team just played its way into this thing like a few days ago, but I get it. There have been years where there's been a team or two that's been left out and it's like, well, what are we doing? You know, how do you pause? It's, you know, how do you possibly justify doing that? I don't get that this year. Although I will say GP, my man, this first four, Indiana squeaking, Indiana squeaking in. I, I guess I convinced myself once it beat Illinois that it was going to be enough. And then Rutgers and then Wyoming. I thought Wyoming wasn't going to Dayton. There were some here, that were on here, that. I want to say Palm was on that. Here's yeah. the thing. The Mountain West Conference was going to get four teams. One of them was going to Dayton. The only one that was even obviously up possibly to get there i agree i th- I, had, I, I said that earlier in the week i was like the mount west is getting four and one of them will end up in dayton guaranteed you nailed it i love the rutgers so notre dame in my opinion has got no business being in this field it just doesn't i it's it might be harder to justify putting notre dame in this field than it is to justify putting tennessee on the three line and that's saying something but again not you know good on mike bray they get they get back in and 
and all that. But Rutgers versus Notre Dame, you want to talk about two glaringly different resumes. I do like the fact that they paired them against each other. Um, winner that's going to play Alabama in the West. Rutgers, I, uh, you and I were on the same page. We thought Rutgers would get punished because it rated so lowly in every single metric comparatively. But at the end of the day, and there's no saying that this will be consistent three years from now when most of the people on this committee won't be on this committee anymore. But the, it's basically this. Rutgers had more good wins by far, by far, than any other team that was on the bubble. Not close. It also had things weighing its resume down to an extent that no other team was really having to deal with and had that uh, kind of hanging over its head. They went with the team that said that could, you know, Proved to have gotten the wins, and so they were in. But again, there are inconsistencies. Oklahoma, to a certain degree, we had this as well. Oklahoma out five, uh, three games above 500. Oklahoma 18 and 15, four quad one wins, six and two in quad two, only one quad three loss. Yet Michigan gets in. It's not even going to Dayton. So yes, there are some inconsistencies. I'm just thrilled we got a bracket, man. I'm awesome. I'm just happy to be talking to you about this. I think overall the committee did a. I'll give it a B overall. Um, the first four games are super fascinating because not just because of the matchups and the styles, but because of the teams that will win and the potential, you know, six, 11, five, 12 that might be awaiting them. What about your thoughts on the teams that didn't get in versus who did? Well, first on the first four, um, you mentioned Michigan doesn't even have to go to, to Dayton. When I was sort of just going through and at seed line, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, just, just ranking, taking the top 25 and one and then expanding it. Um, I my initial draft had Rutgers, Indiana, and Michigan in the first four. Based on if I'm just ranking teams, my understanding is they couldn't do that, even if they mm-hmm. wanted to. They can't do it because I think the rule. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're usually better about this stuff than I am. Um, you you can't play somebody in the first four that you already played in the regular season. That's my understanding. Right. So Big Ten team, you can't put three Big Ten, ten, Big Ten teams in the first four, even if you think that's where they belong, because by definition, that means two of them got to play each other. And that 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 runs contrary to the bracketing principles. So either Rutgers, Indiana or Michigan, if they're going to be in the bracket, they've got to go in the bracket uh, because you could at, at most have two Big Ten teams in the first four. Um, I, I'm with you on Notre Dame. I don't think that team should have been in. I said earlier, the one miss I would have had in terms of teams in and out, uh, I had Texas A&M in, Notre Dame out. Notre Dame is two and eight in quadrant one, two and one, two and one in quadrant two. How about that, man? I, 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 dude, I thought that exact same thing at about like four o'clock this afternoon when I was trying to just put my rack together. I was like, these dudes played three quad two games, three. So they're four and nine in the first two quadrants. Five games under 500 in the first two quadrants with an additional loss in quadrant three. 17 of their 21 wins came in either quadrant three or quadrant four. There's nothing there. They got a win over Kentucky. There's nothing else there. And let me be clear. I'm happy for Mike Bray. Everybody likes Mike Bray. I'm happy for Mike Bray. But take that, put it aside. That's not a NCAA tournament resume. Let's go to Texas a and Four and ten in quadrant one, five and zero in quadrant two, so nine and ten in the first two quadrants. I just told you Notre Dame's five games under four five hundred in the first two quadrants. Texas A&M is only one game below five hundred in the first two quadrants, and they got twice as many quadrant one wins. 
They do have two quarter three losses. I'm not ignoring them. But I still think it's a better resume than Notre Dame's. Um, also, if you care about the computers, Texas A&M is better than Notre Dame in the net. Kimpom, BPI, Sagarin, KPI, Torvik. All of them. Beats them in every computer. And I'll take it a step further. And this apparently wasn't even close. I'd have Xavier in before I had Notre Dame, man. And I know Xavier spiraled. I'm not trying I to argue. I'm not trying to argue Xavier's one of the best at-large candidates now in its current form. But that's not supposed to be what this is about. It's supposed to be about bodies of work. And Xavier is 5-8 and eight in Quadrant 1, 4-3 and three in Quadrant 2, so 9-11 and 11 in the first two quadrants with two Quadrant 3 losses. I would not have Xavier in over Texas A&M, but I'd have Xavier in over Notre Dame. I would too. And when you say that, I give him a B. I might have to drop that down to B minus or C plus because the more like, I don't know, man. And I don't know if this is, I don't know what this is a function of. Uh, you know, they look at record. The Kentucky win obviously like puts it over the top. In terms of overall seeding, by the way, as we get down to the, the cut line with, with bubble teams, here's how it, here's how it, it shook out. Uh, from 40 on down, 40 Davidson, 41 Iowa State vexing I, I actually think iowa state's playing like an 11 seed i i'm gonna need someone to explain to me how iowa state's resume puts them on the 11 line michigan at 42 wyoming 43 rutgers 44 ahead of indiana ahead of virginia tech i asked the committee chair if virginia tech needed to win to get basically if it lost it wouldn't have been in this tells me yes he didn't answer that directly i the answer is yes if virginia tech did not beat duke it would not have gotten in Notre Dame, the final team into the field. And then you get to the other teams that are all, all along the line, you know, UAB 48, Richmond 49, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, may I just, the process, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say the process is broken because I don't believe that it is. And mostly the bracket looks pretty good, but there are just some of these voting collective decisions, GP. I don't know. Like Notre Dame in the field. I would have had him the, fourth or fifth team out so whatever again there's no one that's out that absolutely had to be in if you want to say that notre dame's in and it absolutely had to be out i'm here to listen to that case it's really the only team that i think that's the case i also will if you like i again i'm a guy where the losses should matter loss volume and context of the losses rutgers you know what do you what do you want from me i uh, uh, well, Rutgers is a team that it, when it lost in the Big Ten tournament, I said, I don't think they're going to make it. Yeah. As we got to Selection Sunday and I started comparing mm -hmm. them to the other teams that I've got to choose between, I I liked what they had in the first quadrant in terms of victories. And I said, you know, at least this team has shown the ability to beat good teams. Notre Dame has shown that it can beat Kentucky randomly. That's all. Just on a random game. Um. Rutgers has at least beaten real people multiple times. So I, I know there's somebody listening probably who said, Hey, I thought you said when they lost the big 10 tournament, you didn't think they were going to make it. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I said. I didn't think they would make it as we got to selection Sunday. And I started getting to the bottom of the at-large candidates. You know, you gotta, as they say, you gotta put 68 teams in this thing. As I started comparing Rutgers to Xavier, to Notre Dame, to Dayton, to any of the other teams that were just on the wrong side of the bubble, I thought Rutgers um, ultimately ended up measuring up fairly well uh, relative to the other options. 
My last thing on this, I saw there was a comment that just hopped in the chat uh, a little while ago. By the way, if you're watching this live or after the fact, please do hit that thumbs up like button. Get us some engagement there. We appreciate you. And if you're listening to this episode, this is the first one you've gotten to. Thanks for stopping by the Eye on College Basketball podcast. We've got a ton coming for you, and uh, we really, really appreciate you. We can't wait for this tournament to get started. Someone had mentioned in the YouTube chat that um, – uh, when I mentioned the process wasn't entirely broken, they didn't like the way the committee's comprised. We don't have to do a segment on this. I completely agree with you. I've written about this. I talked to Tom Burnett about it earlier in the year, actually, for the podcast on the YouTube channel. I have long maintained that there needs to be diversity of thought on this committee. It is only made up and only ever has been made up of athletic directors and conference commissioners. It's not good enough, in my opinion. You need objective minds who are dealing that no basketball, also no analytics. Let's just get a bunch of different people on the committee. NCAA has no interest in doing that. I'm not hopeless that it'll never happen, but it's not happening anytime soon. And frankly, it's going to have to take a bracket that gets even more screwed up than this for there ever to be changed. But maybe one day, eventually, there will be. And one thing to point out, like, and this is how conditioned folks are. They got Murray State out there celebrating a 7Z. That's still too low. I would have had him as a 6. I Now, I will say this. You're, you're right. I would have had Murray State on the 6 line. But it was refreshing to see. Okay, at least they didn't put him in an 8-9. At least yeah. you put him uh, on a 7. Maybe that speaks to just general expectation of committee behavior. But that's where we're at, that the the outs, teams outside of the power structure um, are so used to getting screwed in the seeding process that they celebrate something slightly better than what they thought they were going to get, even when it's not what they actually probably deserve. But like you, my big complaint last season was they took Loyola Chicago, a top 10 Kimpom team, and put them in the 8-9 game. And that screwed um, not only Loyola Chicago, but Illinois, which was a one seed. And we all remember how that played out. When we had Jerry Palm on last week, uh, one of the things I said was just keep them out of the 8-9 game. Like, you know, if you want to make them a seven, make them a seven. I still, I'd go six, uh, maybe even five. I think I might have gone five if you put me in charge. I could have argued it. But like six, whatever, at least a seven because you got to keep them. You don't want them having – you don't want a one seed having to play a Murray State team that's like never loses in a second-round game because you're screwing Murray State, but you're also screwing that team. You want to pop around the regions a little bit? Yeah, we'll pop around the regions. And again, though, I want to remind everyone because uh, – for. Listen, again, this is a lot of people come to this podcast specifically. We're going to give you our, our impressions, but we are going to have region by region breakdowns on Monday. And then we will still have another like if you want a huge here's what we love picks galore. We're going to have another standalone episode dedicated to that later in the week. We will absolutely have you covered. And thank you again for stopping by GP. What, what corner of the bracket you want to start with? Well, before we get to it, uh, let me re remind you that if you need help filling out your bracket, uh, CBS Sports HQ got you covered with nonstop coverage of every game from every region of the NCAA tournament. Norlander was in studio all night tonight. I will be on, I believe, at least three times tomorrow. Um, so go ahead. Start streaming CBS Sports HQ 24 hours. It's the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. Uh, we're going to be on uh, basically all day, every day between now and the end of the NCAA tournament. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So here's the truth. I haven't even filled out a bracket yet. Same. I, I'm so busy. But I do have a live bracket up here in front of me. So let's just start in the top left. And that is where Gonzaga in the West region is the number one overall seed. Uh, my initial impression was that I thought Gonzaga didn't get in. Listen, somebody's road to the final four is never actually what you think it's going to be on the night of selection Sunday. So we spend all this time going, man, they've got a tough road. And then, you know, New Mexico upsets Yukon or Vermont upsets Arkansas. And the road doesn't look nearly as tough um, as it, as it did on, you know, the night the bracket was revealed, but Gonzaga's uh, got a second round game, assuming it doesn't become the second one seed to lose in the round of 64, a second round game against either Boise state or Memphis. So your second round games possibly against the Mount West conference, regular season champ and Mount West conference tournament champ. And that's a four bid league or a Memphis team. And I don't know if you saw Sam Vecini tweet this on Saturday night after Memphis beat SMU. But if you go to Bart Torvik and run the numbers since the day after Imani Bates stopped playing basketball, Memphis rates is the second best team in the entire country behind only Gonzaga. I'm not saying they are. I'm just telling you that's what the numbers say at BartTorvik.com, according to our former colleague and forever friend, Sam Vecini. Shouts to Torvik. That's, That's a heck of a stat there. Um, yeah, listen, Gonzaga's going to have an interesting one because it's either going to have the second best team in the country <laughs> or that one versus <laughs> two in the second round. This is tur- this is turned around, hasn't it? It has. Oh, so we're either going to have one versus two in the second round going down in Portland. That's a great venue, but I've covered tournament games in Portland before. Um, that'll be great. Or oh, by the way, Boise State's coached by Leon Rice. Uh, yeah, like best and best of friends with Mark Few, former Gonzaga assistant. They are uh, thick as thieves, and so. That'll be interesting to keep an eye on there. Georgia State is a 16. Mildly surprised me. I thought they might line up as a 15, but whatever. Um, congrats to Penny Hardaway on getting this team back to a nine line. You know, we we buried them. I buried them midseason, and they rallied big time there, and they wind up as a nine. Boise State as the uh, as the co-champions of the Mountain West in, in the conference tournament, only getting an eight there. Mildly surprising. Feels like it should be a seven, but if I'm going to say it's a seven, I got to put someone down to an eight. And of the sevens that are out there, I think I actually would have bumped Ohio State to an eight. But so it goes. Um, right below that, and shouts to Nada for uh, zooming in on this bracket. If you're watching on YouTube, obviously that certainly helps. And people love to hey, love to see the bracket as we uh, as we talk it out. UConn against New Mexico State, five twelve. These are going to be in Buffalo, and then Arkansas against Vermont. Oh, by the way, Vermont is a thirteen. UVM fans will make that drive. It's a little bit of a drive, but it's not that bad there. Uh, I get the sense one of these two games is going to wind up a double digit seed winning. Now I'm still going to have faith in UConn. 
And again, we're not going to peck through the whole bracket here. We will do that later, uh, but just kind of first impressions. Uh, UConn, Arkansas would be a whole lot of fun. And uh, man, that'd be a tough one to pick. But Vermont against Arkansas is going to be interesting because Vermont just blazed through its league tournament. Vermont's now 59th in Ken Palm. John Becker's team has one loss since December 7th, and it was an overtime by one at Hartford. Uh, UVM has made the tournament before. We're familiar with this team. But there's never been a team at uh, UVM uh, that's been as highly ranked as this since the team that won in the NCAA tournament in 2005, but it only got to that point by nature of its win. UVM was not ranked as high as it is now when it entered that NCAA tournament there. Um, keep that in mind. Intriguing little double set. If you're going to be in Buffalo and happen to be going to those games, you got you got a pair of nice ones there. Arkansas. Arkansas, Gonzaga in the Sweet 16, if we get to that point, could be a bunch of fun and... Uh, Huskies versus Bulldogs could also be pretty good. And what are your thoughts on the uh, the bottom half of that uh, top left of the bracket? A little surprised Alabama got a six. You know, it's just they've really struggled down the stretch. But whatever, they'll play the winner of Rutgers-Notre Dame. The interesting thing about Gonzaga's bracket, and um, again, like in the second round, they either got the Mount West champs or a Memphis team that has performed at an elite level since Imani Bates stopped playing. Um, after that, Arkansas just had like a 14-1 and stretch in the SEC. That's a real team. Connecticut is somebody I suggested could be a dark horse Final Four candidate, you know, a month ago. Uh, they played well down the stretch. That's not a gimme. And then at the bottom of the bracket, um, Texas Tech has beaten one seed Baylor, beaten one seed Kansas. Texas Tech's shown the ability. They're older. They're great defensively. They've shown the ability to beat elite teams. That's kind of scary. And then Duke, and I know Duke has limped into this bracket, and we spent a portion of the this episode explaining why Duke shouldn't be a top-two seed. But they, they already beat Gonzaga once on a neutral court early in the season. It's not crazy to think that they could do it again. So I do think Gonzaga will get to the Final Four again. That will be my pick. but. And I guess this goes without saying, they got some really interesting obstacles in front of them starting in the round of 32. Agreed. Quickie, th- I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off that. Um, one more thing. For, if you're a Gonzaga fan, and you're a little spooked by this. I understand it. I wasn't aware of this until uh, Hakeem Dermish, fantastic HQ anchor, brought this up on the show. Uh, Gonzaga's got Duke and it's got Bama in this region. Both those teams beat Gonzaga earlier this season. Right. And oh, by the way, Texas Tech has knocked Gonzaga out of the tournament in recent years. So if you're a Zags fan and you're waiting to kind of win a national championship, you're looking around, maybe you're getting a little bit of the shivers just seeing what schools are in this. As for the bottom half, yeah, I will be there in Greenville. So Michigan State, Davidson, Duke, Fullerton, uh, in addition to another part of the bracket we'll get to in a second. I'll obviously be following Duke there. Uh, Duke goes to Greenville, and you've got Michigan State Davidson, Foster Lawyer Special, used to play for Michigan State, now plays for Davidson. Kind of cool. If you are a conspiracy theorist, I cannot emphasize enough to you how much the committee does not care that Foster Lawyer used to play for Michigan State and now plays for Davidson. (laughs) I I cannot emphasize it enough. No, I saw some of that. Listen, I love that Foster Lawyer is going to get to play against Michigan State. Like the idea that Foster Lawyer moves the needle at all, from a, <laughs> like like most people have no idea who Foster Lawyer is, no right? Shot. Like, like oh, no shot, dude. He was, he was a role player at best at Michigan State, and now he's found a nice little niche for himself at Davidson. Trust me, they aren't they aren't finagling anything. Now, as for the uh, coach K Izzo, 
there's a lot of really good coaches in this tournament. And yes, Izzo is really there with almost any of them in terms of legendary status. Uh, and that's kind of on that like seven line. I, I hear you, whatever. Um, I tell you what, I think Mike Krzyzewski would rather face Tom Izzo than Bob McKillop for a couple reasons. I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but Coach K's got like an 85% win percentage all time against Tom Izzo. Michigan State's up and down. He would rather play the seven seed there than the 10 seed. Uh, Davidson, which has tried to schedule Duke with regularity over you know the past 10, 15 years. Now that the teams have played plenty over their history, but uh, like Mike Shashevsky knows the deal. Bob McKillop's a really good coach, and uh, if he doesn't have to schedule Davidson, he's not going to do it. They might wind up having to meet there, uh, and you'll have like a little bit of a like a cousin to uh, the Illinois loyal, excuse me, loyal Chicago deal last year. Either one's going to be fascinating. Got to figure Duke will get through Fullerton. Uh, they got, you know, the wipe clean. I was in the building on Saturday, uh, Barclay center. Uh, it's amazing by the way. Like I love conference championship week and I had an amazing conversation one-on-one with Mike young after they won. It was an incredible scene. Virginia Tech's in the field and like that stuff gets put in the rear view so fast because this tournament is such a behemoth as it should, but it's just funny. Like I was loving everything about this sport and conference tournaments. And now it's just like, whoop, okay, that's behind us now. That's way behind us. Duke's Duke zero and zero. Can it recover from uh, from really just getting sliced up by Virginia Tech? Either way, Michigan State or Davidson will be uh, plenty intriguing there. And I like the West overall. Very, uh, very tasty corner of the bracket. I think it's either between the East or the West for my favorite uh, regions. All right. So this will transition well. We'll go down to the East. And now it's bottom left on your CBS Sports bracket. And that is where Virginia Tech got placed as the 11 uh, seed in, in the East Regional. First game against Texas. And um, we had Chris Beard, the Texas coach on CBS Sports uh, Network uh, tonight. And I, I just sort of went back and looked at his Texas Tech team that went to the title game. And they were 9-1 and one heading into the NCAA tournament in their previous 10 games. They had lost in the Big 12 tournament, but they were 9-1 and one in their previous 10. Right now, Texas is 0-3 in its last three games, right? Um and Virginia Tech just won the ACC tournament. And so I asked Chris, like, do you even believe in momentum? Like, um, you know, been playing well down the stretch. Does any of that stuff matter? Because he's already established himself as one of the better, if not among the best, you know, tournament coaches. He's got a nine and three record in NCAA tournaments. And he said he acknowledged that the way you enter a tournament could be a factor. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here. He's like, you know, they don't put any extra points on the scoreboard, you know, to start it. You know, we go start zero zero. You know, we've lost our last three. They just won the ACC tournament. It will be zero zero when we tip off. But he did acknowledge that, you know, his team has lost three straight games, and Virginia Tech's really playing at a high level with a lot of confidence right now, and that that might show up. Baylor obviously is the one seed in the East. Second round matchup would be against North Carolina or Marquette. Those are two teams that have had moments in this season where they looked really good. Uh, you know, Marquette went on a seven-game winning streak in the middle of conference play in the Big East. You cannot go on a seven-game winning streak in the Big East without beating good teams. Carolina went on a nice stretch to close the season. Uh, obviously beat Duke in Mike Shashevsky's final home game inside Cameron Indoor. I think Baylor should be fine in the second-round game, but you know, both those teams have beaten teams that are. Um, you know, close to as good, if not as good as Baylor at certain points this season. You know, Marquette won at Villanova, North Carolina won at Duke. If you could do those things, you can beat Baylor um, in a neutral court situation. Uh, a little bit further down, St. Mary's is the five seed. They'll play the winner of the 
uh, first four game between Wyoming and Indiana, uh, UCLA and Akron, uh, and then you get Texas, Virginia Tech, Purdue, Yale, Murray State, San Francisco, Kentucky, St. Peter. So you mentioned that we could have a, a Davidson-Duke situation. We could also have a Kentucky-Murray State situation. We absolutely could. And again, uh, we will go into these brackets and regions even deeper on our uh, region by region preview episodes, which will go up throughout the day and evening on Monday. Big picture, 10,000 foot takeaways from this corner of the bracket is I feel like a lot of people are going to take Carolina to beat Marquette. And um, in in many years, it feels like there's there's an eight, nine like that. And it goes the other way. So just buyer beware on that. Marquette's got some good wins. I know they haven't been hot as of late. People are going to be feeling UNC after the Duke win. I haven't decided who I'm taking in that one, but uh, that one smells a little funky to me. Wyoming, if it can beat Indiana, I I like Wyoming almost. I think I like Wyoming more than Rutgers or Notre Dame to be the first four team that gets into the second round. That has happened, I think, every year except one, that a first four team wins at least two games. And Wyoming-St. Mary's might be a first to 50 wins kind of deal there. Virginia Tech over Texas is the most obvious 11-6 on the board as far as I'm concerned. Yes, even more than Michigan over Colorado State. Part of that's because Texas has been so erratic, and Virginia Tech's obviously looking as good as almost any team in the country heading into this big dance. Uh, I took Virginia Tech on HQ. I don't think I'm going to step off of that. I will go with the Hokies there. I actually just like the way that they match. I like everything about this matchup for Virginia Tech. Uh, Purdue seems like it's weirdly hiding in this part of the bracket, by the way. So three seed is going to play against Yale. I think that's a good matchup for Purdue. Um, but it's hard to say who's going to, I could see, I, I mean, I'll be honest, GP in this part, bottom half of the East, I could see Texas, Virginia tech, Purdue, Murray state or Kentucky being the team that makes the regional final in Philly there. Murray state, San Francisco, by the way, Todd golden sent me a text because they, they made them sweat when we were doing the, we cut into uh CBS's coverage when we did the selection show on HQ. And so my mic's off and we're not, we're not on the air at that point, but I'm like, it's, because when it was Texas, I was like, this 11 is probably going to be San Francisco. And then it wasn't. I was like, if San Francisco is not this 10 seed, like <laughs> clear the set and give me a 10 minute monologue. Cause there's, it's going to be the most egregious snub ever. And Todd golden, this is a, uh, this is an exact quote. He said, Holy crap, dude, I went into this show with 100% confidence. And then I was sure we were left out in that last part of the bracket. My stomach was absolutely sick. San Francisco is dancing for the first time since 1998. And of course, you got two great young coaches, Matt McMahon, Todd Golden. They'll both be coaching at a power conference level eventually. Could be a few weeks, could be a year, could be two, but they're both on their way there. I don't know. I'd love to know the process and how we land on seven Murray playing 10 San Francisco. Why can't we go seven Murray playing 10 Miami and seven USC playing 10 San Francisco? Why can't we do that? I don't get why it's got to be two mid-majors playing against each other. Now that said, it is. I, when I saw it, I knew it immediately. That is the most must-watch game of the entire first round. It's the game. If you want to know when that game's being played, it is a 940 tip on Thursday CBS game. They're going to be playing that in Indianapolis. Iron Eagle, the great Iron Eagle on the call. Can't wait for that one. Murray State versus Kentucky will be fascinating as hell, but either of those teams getting Kentucky in the second round. I really like UK. I got them ranked third in my 1-68 to rankings uh, up on the site there. But, man, you can make a case, GP. I know Duke's got Davidson, Michigan State, and we'll get to what Auburn and Villanova could have waiting, but you really can make the case that when you look at the two potential options, not just one team, but like, okay, the seven of the 10, I think Kentucky as a two has the toughest prospect of a second round matchup if and when it gets there. To the south, 
region, which is, uh, if you're watching on, if you're looking at CBSSports.com's live bracket, could be in the top right corner. Arizona is the one seed there. Um, Villanova's the two. Tennessee is the three. Illinois is the four. I think Arizona, of all the one seeds, I feel safest about them being in the Sweet 16. First game against Wright State, next game against Seton Hall or TCU. I think Arizona's got the easiest path to the Sweet 16 and maybe to the Elite Eight because theoretically a Sweet 16 game would be against either Houston or Illinois, although I won't rule Jelly Walker and UAB out. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. Houston, Kelvin Sampson, I hear what you're saying, but it's still Kelvin Sampson made a final four year ago. Illinois in the four line, and we these teams played each other earlier this year, and Arizona, Illinois have some tournament history. I don't know. I think that we have some work cut out for them. We got to see how healthy Kirk Crease is too. That's a factor. Sure, um, I, I think the latest reporting is they hope he will be available, you know, for the NCAA tournament. But hope's a long way from. I'm certain he'll be available. That is a factor. Although you know they just won the Pac-12 tournament, beat UCLA uh, without him, but you know Houston. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I respect Calvin Sampson. You know, I, I think he's one of the best five to ten coaches in college basketball in terms of just give him a roster and he'll be he'll make it good. Uh, but like he lost two players in December, and you know, I, I think that started to show up as the AAC schedule unfolded. They got uh, beat twice by Memphis. Uh, they did then beat Memphis in the American title game. So, you know, that was impressive. I just think that they're, they're going to ultimately be a, a a player short somewhere along the way. Like I would be more I would be more surprised by Houston beating Arizona, eliminating Arizona. I'd be more surprised by that than I would be UAB upsetting Houston. Feel like feel like Houston losing to UAB might be a bit trendy. I like Houston there. Um very fun region. I, I love this corner of the bracket there. On the bottom half, uh, we talked about Tennessee plenty. Colorado State, Michigan is your first tip at 12.15 on Thursday on CBS when we get to the first round proper, so that's going to be what everyone's tuning into to start. And I'm sure Michigan's going to have uh, be, pl- be picked plenty in that. Colorado State's just a more dependable team, although that's a, that's a contrast in big. So you got uh, David Roddy, Small ball five does everything against Hunter Dickinson. Those are those are two players designated centers that don't look the same and don't do the same stuff. So I love that matchup there. How about Chris Holtman, man? He he's the seventh seed and he's got to face. He's got to face Loyola. Loyola, I, 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 the lines were obviously not out when the bracket got revealed. I said it on H. Loyola is going to be a favorite in that game, and sure, lo and behold, it is. It was one point five when I went off the air. I don't know if that line's going to move by the time people listen to this on Monday or not, but that's a case where. Uh, I don't have an issue with Loyola on the 10 line. I, you know, I, it, there's one thing for what you did on your resume versus what you are in the metrics. And I, that we listen, we caped up for Loyola Chicago last season. We said it was underseated. I'm fine with it being a 10 this year. It's just a bad break for Ohio state. You know, you lose as a two a, a year ago, you want to at least get a win and kind of atone for that. Now you go up against, frankly, just a, a, a really, really tough matchup there. So we'll see, you know, Ohio state still banged up. It doesn't have a full roster available. Um, but I believe it will be in a better spot by the time it's got to play that game. And then, yeah, Nova Delaware, Nova has a two there. No, no huge issue with me overall. Um, I could see Arizona, Villanova, Tennessee, 
Illinois getting out of this. I could see any of the top four being the uh, being the the representative out of the South when they get to New Orleans. How about this? At the end of our bracket breakdown show tonight, you know, final block CBS Sports Network. I think there were six analysts: me, Wally Zerbiak, Pete Gillen, uh, Chris Walker, Shelvin Mack, John Rostein. And, you know, it's just, you know, we got 90 seconds left and Brent Stover and Adam Zucker tee us up on pick to win the national championship. Four of the six said Arizona. Too trendy. It's getting too trendy, my man. It's getting too trendy. I, I said Gonzaga. Chris Walker said Kentucky. And or Shelvin Mack said Kentucky. And I believe everybody else said Arizona. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. And this region's tough, man. You've got the Pac-12 tournament and Pac-12 outright champion in Arizona. You've got the AAC regular season champ and tournament champ in Houston. You've got the SEC tournament champ in Tennessee and the Big East tournament champ in Villanova. So four of the top seven or eight conferences in the country, they're tournament champions are in this region. Feels noisy to me. Feels like a noisy one. Let's go down to the Midwest. Kansas is the number one seed. Auburn is the number two seed. Wisconsin is the three. Providence is the four. And you mentioned that you thought Murray State-San Francisco was the must-watch game of the round of 64. I submit, I counter this is the number two. It's the number two. Providence against the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Ooh. Imagine your Ed Cooley lead your team to first ever Big East regular season title. Now you got to mess around with some Jackrabbits. What? Jackrabbits ain't lost since December 15th? <laughs> you got to play Jackrabbits? They should not be on the 13 line. Did Providence no. dirty with this? South Dakota State's a 12. What are we doing? Put Richmond on the 13. That's just a bad job. That's just lazy, in my opinion. That's a lazy move by the committee. 30 and 4. Haven't lost since December 15th. Top 15 in offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Number one effective field goal percentage in the country at 59.7. They shoot 44.2% from three. Tops mm. in the country. That's what you're dealing with. Dust the Jackrabbits. What a fascinating game. If you're wondering when this one just realized it's midnight. I'm just yelling in my hotel room. Absolutely wonderful. We couldn't we couldn't love it more. We could not love it more. (laughs) I mean, like I'm sure sure I've got, you know, like uh, business people in the room next to me. Like, you know, probably got a meeting at 9 a.m. Yeah. It's all good. Hey, by the way, Thursday is fire start. Get this, because I was looking where this Providence game was. You start at 1215 with Michigan, Colorado State, CBS. America's what the hell is this game doing? The second game is South Dakota State Providence. What the hell is this doing on True TV? What are we doing right now? They put this on True TV. Well, what are we you, doing? Twelve forty tip. Let me tell you the secret about television. It ain't teams. It ain't matchups. It's brands. Brands. That's what people watch. It's Jack Ravis brands. Damn it. So where where did you say Michigan was on CBS? Oh, you already know. Yes. That's why. That's because yeah. it's Michigan. Exactly. No doubt about Big it. And, 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 and then the third game. So you got Michigan, Colorado State. 25 minutes later, South Dakota State, Providence. 
And then an hour later, Memphis, Boise State. What an unbelievable first window that is. Fourth game is Baylor, reigning champs playing Norfolk State. That is a great start. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful matchup. Iowa is the five there. Iowa versus Providence or South Dakota State. I'm, I'm here for it. Richmond, uh, may, maybe the Spiders can do uh, can crawl one more time into, uh, into playing a little bit beyond that, but I'm not seeing that one. San Diego State, Creighton might be first to 52 wins. Creighton's, this is the best defensive team it's had. Um, and San Diego State, it feels like the more trustworthy team in that spot. But Craig McDermott's done a wonderful job. Replaced starting five to get to a nine seed. Great, great stuff this season. A bottom half, you've got LSU, Iowa State feels like the toughest 6 11 to pick. Um, oh, by the way, Will Wade got fired. <laughs> we don't have time to do all the coaching stuff. I got a text, like, I think two minutes, before, 10 minutes before the selection show, said, hey, just so you know, Mike White is, is going to Georgia. And I could not, I, I would story for another time, but I, I well, Will Wade got minutes, fired. Well, let's spend a few minutes on these because when Will Wade gets fired and when Mike White leaves Florida for Georgia, immediately people go, why, you know, what, why? So let's start with Will Wade and we'll be real quick on this and then we'll get out of here. Um, why now? That's what everybody says. Well, because they got the notice of allegations last week and they were not in the complete clear to fire him for cause until he was charged with a notice one uh, with a level one violation in the notice of allegations. Now they could have just fired him for cause and said, come fight us. And he could say, well, I haven't been charged with anything yet. And they say, well, we think you're going to. So, you know, so, so let's get on with it. I guess in theory, they could have done that, but this one wasn't hard to figure out. The notice of allegations came last week. It buried him. Like he's been charged with lots of level one violations. You know, like he's trying to buy his number seven, seven. Yeah. seven. He's accused of, of trying to buy or buying multiple prospects, um, trying to pay people to not talk, trying to <laughs> using money out of a joint account with his wife. <laughs> like he circled his, roped his wife into it. Allegedly, allegedly. So allegedly. once that le- <laughs> allegedly, just trying to keep us out of court, dead leg. It's trying to keep us out of the legal system. So um, that that seems obvious to me. They they finally had everything they needed to do it, make a clean cut, and so that's what they did. Um, with Michael White, this is the same thing Shaka Smart did last season. Exact same thing. He, you can come back. Florida's not going to fire you, just like Texas was not going to fire Shaka Smart. You can come back, but you're on the hot seat, and your fans don't even really want you there anyway. So it's going to be a miserable existence. You know, trade that in for fresh expectations, brand new contract, restart the clock on being on the hot seat. Yeah, let's do it. And I know somebody said, well, the difference is Shaka Smart went from Texas to Marquette and uh, Michael White went from an SEC school to an SEC school, from one rival to the other. And I hear you, but Michael White did the same thing Shaka did in this sense. Just took the best job he could get. What's the best job I can get right now if I want to get out of here right now? For Shaka, it was Marquette. And for Michael White, it appears it was Georgia. What a move by Georgia and Mike White getting this right before the selection show because, uh, yeah, uh, buried in, uh, in a bunch of other news there. And, uh, yeah, tricky one overall. Uh, bottom half, yeah, this the Midwest overall, just real quick on this uh, as we wrap up with all the coaching stuff. LSU, the players don't have their head coach. So I don't know how to – LSU-Iowa State is an underwhelming game. This Midwest region is just – I'm not going to say it's meh. I love every bracket. I love every corner. But um, 
uh, again, Kansas to me has the easiest w- way to get uh, to get to New Orleans there. And then the bottom two games, I'm going to be there. Those are Greenville games, USC, Miami, and then Auburn, Jacksonville State. Um, if you are looking at this bracket and find the least amount of enticement in this corner of it, I- I'm kind of with you there. But Kansas, Iowa, Sweet 16 could be a lot of fun. Maybe Auburn finds life again. You know, that's a really, really fun team when they're really going there. Um, we'll wait on Wisconsin. Wisconsin Providence are the two teams that have um, – outperform what the metrics say they should be so we'll see we could certainly have plenty of upset noise in this uh in this part of it as well but uh i'm just glad the bracket's finally here man and again we're gonna have plenty we're gonna dive into these even deeper but we wanted to just give you a quick overview of what we've seen here we'll make picks all that i haven't even filled out my bracket got to do that haven't picked you said you picked the champion you picked gonzaga on the show i have not figured i can pick my final four right now if you're prepared to do it. I I am I will not be, but I absolutely tell the people who do you got. I'll go Gonzaga as a one seed out of the West. I'll go UCLA as a four seed out of the East. Look at you. So Gonzaga UCLA rematch in the Final Four. I'll go Arizona, one seed in the South, and I'll take Auburn, the two seed in the Midwest. Championship game, Gonzaga, Arizona, Mark Few against Tommy Lloyd, and your champion, Gonzaga. I don't have it yet. I'll give you a okay. I actually, I, you got enough. Uh, you got enough spice in there. I like that GP. Um, the only I, I'll commit to Kansas coming out of the Midwest. I'll commit to that. So we'll differ there. I, I just don't know yet. These other teams. <laughs> I just don't know yet. I, I, I literally have not had time to actually sit there. I picked the first round games on HQ every every region, every segment, but I haven't gotten there. I will though I'll mix in my picks. I actually got to get them up for the site here. I think I'm gonna call one of our uh, editors on my drive back uh, back home and he's I'm gonna literally talk my way through this bracket driving home, which is gonna be a hell of an exercise there. But uh, those are brackets as a reminder, CBSports.com on the CBS Sports app. All of our picks for the bracket, Final Four, National Championship. We also pick every game straight up and against the spread. You can see the records. Those who have been listening all season long, Final Four and One, we know how that goes. But we'll keep you updated here with all of that. And uh, plenty more coming in terms of NCAA tournament stuff. But Selection Sunday is here. It is GP, it's just great to see you. Great to talk to you to kind of wind down the day. It was a marathon past few days from games to coaching news to all that kind of stuff. And then today just got uh, today was absurd college basketball wise. And then everything that happened off the court, but uh, brackets here tournament tournament as we speak right now, it's, it's now Monday. We've cr- crossed the, uh, the midnight hour on the East coast NCAA tournament technically starts tomorrow. Hope everybody enjoyed my lighting and my makeup tonight. You don't get this every night. That's right. Looking sharp. Yeah. I feel sharp. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Alex Holcomb, 6'9 legend. Actually averaged 19.3 points for Baylor in the 92-93 season. Second-round draft pick. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. In the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Over at Apple Not only can you leave five stars, but you can also leave a nice review. You can write words. Do that. There's more of us than there are of them. And please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't yet. Easy to find. Just go into YouTube. Hey, YouTube. And get into the search engine and type in Ion College Basketball. It'll pop right up. 
Every time you're watching an episode, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. We will talk to you again on, I mean, really just a few hours. Hey, real, trust me, have the podcast feed locked and loaded. We got stuff coming for you. We're gonna feed, we're gonna feed the beast, feed the machine, and uh, we will, we will absolutely talk to you soon. And thank you to everyone who tuned in live to watch us late on Sunday night. It was great to be with you. Four regional previews will be recorded on Monday. Plus, I think at least three hits on CBS Sports HQ and a two-hour radio show, all before I fly home. Don't really know how I'm going to get it done. I'm going to go home and write. Uh, I think I'm writing about the West region. I got to write that. So, yeah. It's a hell of a time, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.